for the opportunity to speak here. Um, I, I love that last song you guys were doing, Alex. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. It is impossible for God to do nothing when you need him. Nothing is impossible with God. Someone needs to, needs to grab hold of that message right there. Um, I'll jump right into this. The name of my message is, The Curse is Broken. We are stronger than the curse. At least we ought to be. Is there any doubt in anyone's mind that the marriage relationship between a man and a woman is under serious attack today? And, and a lot of people would say, well, this is an attack. It's, it's never been this bad. But the reality is, it's an attack that began in the beginning. Yes, that's right. and, and when I say in the beginning, I mean the book of Genesis yes. in the beginning. We have an enemy who is hell-bent on destroying the relationship between a man and a woman. And this morning, we're going to examine why. Because it might not be the reason you think. Okay? There was a curse placed on us in the garden. And many of us don't fully understand that curse. God inflicted this curse, Jesus erased it, and somehow Satan reinstituted it again. And that's where we find ourselves living. So, we'll get started. If you'll go to the next slide, please. There are two terms I want to discuss to get this going. A revelation is revealing something that was concealed. It's uncovering something that's covered. Paul said, um, Paul said that the reason God gives us revelation is he's trying to transform us. He wants to transform us through the renewing of our minds, which is a funny way of saying God wants to transform us by changing the way we think giving us a new mindset. So the reason God uncovers hidden things is to change the way you think. You are thinking about something right now one way. He wants to transform you and take you to that next level by changing the way you're thinking about that thing. Jesus, however, said that Satan, our enemy, is a liar He's the father of all lies, which means all lies begin with him. But more than that, he said he is a great deceiver. And a deception is a hidden lie. It's the worst kind of lie because it's the lie you don't see. You've been lied to and you don't realize it. It is a hidden lie. And today, there has been a hidden lie spoken about women and about marriage that we want to uncover. 
if you want a strong marriage, you have to know <laughs> why you were put together. And if you don't know why you were put together, anything will split you apart. So that's where we want to, we want to go with this. I want to change what you think about women and about marriage. If you'll go to the next slide, please. It all begins, this hidden lie, this deception all begins with woman. And with what Adam said about her and what God said about her. Because they said two very different things. Adam looked at her and said, finally, somebody who looks like me and not all these creatures. She's flesh of my flesh, she's bone of my bone. I'm gonna call her woman because she was taken from me and I've got the scar to prove it. The Bible says God went in and did an operation and took a rib. Oh, please hear this. He didn't take something from her head so that she'd rule over him. And he didn't take something from her feet so that she would be under him. He took something right from his side so that she'd be side by side his equal. E even there, even there the imagery God was trying to tell us, tell us something. But our problem is we focus and we preach, and we build churches, and we build church doctrine on what Adam said. And Adam talked about how she looked. She looks like me. God talked about who she is and why she was here. So our, in, order to, in order to understand this, we, we have to step back and say, okay, Forget what Adam said. What did God say? Because he's the one who put her in place. Go to the next slide, please. I think all of you know this. This is Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make for him a blank. Full stop. Full stop. It's not good for a man to be alone is a staggering statement. Because up to this point, everything God has done has been perfection. God created the sun, moon, and stars and said, what? It's good. He created the earth, said, what? It's good. Then he created skies and clouds and mountains and valleys and oceans. What did he say? It's good. Then he put birds in the air and fish in the sea. <laughs> he put animals on the earth. What did he say? It's good. Then he got his hands dirty. He got down into the dirt, and he used his hands to form this new creature. <sighs> Looked like him, put his own breath in him, stood him up and said, go take dominion. And what did he say then? It's good. And then all of a sudden, God says, it's not good. It's not good for him to be alone. Why? So if you want to understand what this problem was, why him being alone was a problem, I have to understand with, with better clarity what God's solution was. 
Let me give you an example. It doesn't make sense yet. If I'm, if I'm the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, and I watch them play, and I say, huh, this is not good. <laughs> and the next day, I go out and draft two quarterbacks. What does that tell you I think the problem is? Quarterback. So somehow, God said, this is a problem, and this is my solution to the problem. We have to understand this. See, God, we think we read the words of the Bible without reading the Bible. We think what this says is, it's not good for the man to be lonely, so he needs a companion. It's not what he said. He didn't say he's lonely. He said he's alone. Those aren't the same thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I got here early, and I was just with God, and I'm walking around in, in the courtyard, Pastor. I was alone, but I wasn't lonely. On the other hand, there are people every year at Christmas who are sitting at a table filled with people who are lonely. Lonely is an emotional feeling. Alone is a physical state. God didn't say this guy is lonely. He said he's alone. Why is that a problem? So if, if I can understand that, that starts to give me better clarity in terms of, of, of what, what God said. Because we put a lot of things into this. Most translations say this, it's not good for a man to be alone, therefore I will make for him a helper comparable to him. A, a helper suitable for him, whatever that means, okay? If you go to the next slide, what we've heard often, I'll make for him a helpmate. And a helpmate, this is the definition of a helpmate. Let's all read it so we're all on the same page. Uh, a helpmate is a helpful companion or partner, especially one's husband or wife. And the synonym for helpmate, words that can be exchanged with it are companion, partner, friend, associate, and assistant. So if this translation is correct, then God said it's not good for him to be alone. I need to make for him a companion, a partner, a friend, an associate, or assistant. And if, if that's correct, then that's what it would have said in the Hebrew. To understand what God really said, we have to go all the way back to the Hebrew because that's the language that the Old Testament was written in. If you ever want to study the Bible, get, get two concordances, one for the Old Testament with Hebrew, one for the New Testament with Greek because that's, those are the original languages they were, they were written in. And if I, if I look at the original text, the original Hebrew, and and God said, I need to make him a companion or, or a friend or an associate, then the word used in Hebrew would have been shaber or aji or yedida. Those are three words that mean friend, companion, associate. But those aren't the words used. If God said what Adam said and said, ha, 
I'm going to make for him a woman, then the word in Hebrew would have been Isha or Ishti, woman or wife. That's not what God said either. If God said, I need to make for him an assistant, then the word would have been, this is real important, the word would have been Ozer, O-Z-E-R. An Ozer in Hebrew was an assistant, and the connotation is, I can do this myself, but you being here with me, assist me. That's your role. God did not say, Ozer. If you bring up the next slide, please. God said, I will make for him an Azer. And an Azer is a helper who protects me. A helper who fights for me. A helper who defends me. A helper who rescues me, sometimes from myself. It's a military term, ladies and gentlemen. The Hebrew was often written in, in, with military connotations, because think about those people. For 4,000 years, all they did was fight wars and be slaves. And so their language reflected that their livelihood. God said, I'm going to make an Azer, that word is used 21 times in the Old Testament. The first two times it's used, it's used to describe Eve. Three other times, it's used to describe the armies of the nations that came to fight for Israel, that came to rescue Israel, that came to defend Israel from her enemies. They were called Azers. And the other 16 times, Azer is used to describe God. God, my helper and my shield. God, my helper and my sword. God, my helper and my deliverer. God, the helper who delivered me from Pharaoh. The God who rides high and rescues me. Sixteen times it's used to describe God, and that's what God gave Adam a defender, someone to protect him. Now, 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 and, and I'll be honest, ladies and gentlemen, when God first showed me this, my first thought was, <laughs> defend him from who? Defend him from what? I mean, <laughs> it's Adam and the animals, and, and they're no threat to him. I, I don't know if you ever thought about this. God, God, <laughs> God brought all the animals to him, to, to Adam, and said, hey, name them. Whatever you call them, that's what I call them. And, and, and when, when the serpent asked Eve, did God really say? Do you know what Eve didn't do? She didn't step back and say, how's an animal talking to me? She didn't step back and say, how's an animal talking to me? And I understand it. How am I talking to an animal and it understands me? So the inference is that's how it was in the garden. We have no idea what changed because of the curse. It was a whole different world, a whole, whole different planet at that, at that time. So here's what was going on. 
Why does he need a defender? God said, it's not good for this man to be alone. Because I know what's out there waiting for him. I know who's out there waiting for him. The person out there waiting for him, I saw him split heaven apart. I saw that person convince millions of my angels who I created, who knew me face to face for eons. I saw him convince them he was greater than me. I saw him convince them to go to war with me. I saw him bring war to heaven. And Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. Lightning is a blink, which means there was war in heaven. Satan is causing all of his chaos, and Jesus said, enough. And when Jesus said, e, Satan and his angels were still there. When Jesus finished saying, enough, they were gone. They fell like lightning. Where did they go? Here. That's who's waiting for him. God said, I can't leave him alone. It's not an indictment against him. It's not that he's not strong. It's not that he's weak. But, but I saw millions of my angels fall to this guy's lies. I'm not going to leave him alone. Therefore, I will make for him an Azair, a protector. And the second word is connecto. Connecto is like looking into a mirror and seeing your reflection. It's your equal. God said, I'm going to make for him a defender who is his equal. And I'm going to put them side by side so that as they walk through this kingdom, he's got a protector. He's not alone anymore. She, she, she doesn't think like we do, guys. You, you, you know this, right? <laughs> Scientist, science has proven this. Men, our brains are wired, our neurons, are, the cells are wired front lobe to back lobe. Women are, are wired from one hemisphere to, on the, to the other, side to side. So that's why, guys, we can be really task-oriented. We can get really focused. We, 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 can, we, can, we, we can do things. But women can be thinking about 10 different things at once. And see, all the guys are looking at me right now just saying, how, how is that possible? We can't. That's not how we're wired. So, and if, it, it's why someone can ask Georgina, what are you thinking about? Well, I'm thinking about you know, what we're going to do at work and then what we're going to eat for dinner and how's Maddie doing and, and, and we're, we're, do we have the tickets yet? She's got five, six, seven different things going on in her head. And someone will ask me, hey, Kevin, what are you thinking? What will I say, guys? Nothing. Because we're wired differently. We're wired differently. That was intentional. God said it's not good for this guy to be alone. I'm going to make a warrior and put her alongside him to fight for him and to fight with him. I'm Satan. I heard what God said. This is a problem. 
This is no problem. But this is a problem. That's not, that's not me saying that as Satan. That's me hearing God say it. And, and I hate him. I don't want to worship him. But what I know about him is he doesn't lie. And if he said, this is a problem, this is his solution, I know what I have to do. Therefore, as Satan, I'll make it my mission from now till hell freezes over to diminish her, to demote her, to devalue her, to belittle her, and finally make sure she takes the blame for what I'm getting ready to do here in the garden. Because if she takes the blame, I know he won't allow her to be his equal, he'll knock her down. This is all about the kingdom, ladies and gentlemen. God put them out here for a kingdom reason. God didn't put them out there so that they'd be happy. He didn't put them together so they'd be happy. So they'd have this great sex life. So the kids would be wonderful. So the bank account would, would be fine. That's icing on the cake. But the cake is the kingdom. And God put these two together for a kingdom reason. And, and I'm Satan. <laughs> I got kicked out of that kingdom. Now I want this kingdom. And God said, this is a problem. So I want to keep him this way. That's what Satan did. Let's watch how, how he did it. Alex, can I, can I borrow you and Annie real quick? Give, give, it, it'll, it'll make a little more sense this way. And Alex, just go stand over there. Just go stand over there. That's far enough. That's good. So here's what we think the Bible says. The serpent, Satan, catches her by herself says, hey, hey, Anna, you're looking good. And I know Alex is over there saying, wait, Dad, are you coming on to my wife like this right here in church in front of me? I I'm Satan. That's what I do. Did God really say you can't eat anything here? And she says, no, 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 that's not what God said. God said we could eat anything we want except the tree, the fruit from this tree right here, if we eat the fruit from this tree, or if we even touch it, we'll die. And at that point, Satan knew he had her because she was adding words to what God said. God didn't say you can't touch it. God said, don't eat it. Where was she when God gave him that instruction? Right here. She was still a rib in his, in his side. So whose responsibility was it to make sure she knew what God said? Oh, stop. <laughs> she doesn't know what God said, so I'm going in. I'm going to call God a liar. You're not going to die. You're going to be like God. Where did he get that from? Why did he say that? What did he want? He wanted to be like the Most High and got kicked out. And that's what he's offering her now. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. 
And she bought into this. She bought into this, I'll know, I'll know good and evil. Because her next words were, the next words the Bible says is, when she saw the fruit and saw that it was what? Good. And desired what? The knowledge, the wisdom that would come from the knowledge. She bought into what I said, hook, line, and sinker. She ate. This, this is a classic deception, ladies and gentlemen. A lie covered by truth. Satan always lies to us, but covers it with truth, knowing that we'll only focus on the truth and not see the lie underneath. And if your foundation is built on a lie, eventually it's going to crumble, crumbling down. So she, she grabs the fruit, she, she eats it, and then she, she brings it over here. She brings it over here to Alex. He brings it over to Adam. Now, here, here's the crazy thing. Some denominations, I've heard this preached, some denominations believe that when she gives him the fruit, he doesn't even know which tree it came from because they want to absolve him of all responsibility. So he eats. Now the Bible says <laughs> their eyes are opened. And, and, and she looks at him and says, hey, baby. <laughs> and he looks at her and says, hey, mommy. Come on, how do you think they got in the bushes? <laughs> we, got, we, got to, we got to laugh. We got to make some fun out of this. Because this is dark, ladies and gentlemen. This, that's what we think happened. Annie, come back over here. Alex, come over here as well. The verse says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for the food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. Pull up the next slide, please. Who was with her. These four words change this story completely, ladies and gentlemen. There are churches and church doctrine that has been built ignoring those four words. Because the whole time he's, Satan is coming at her, he was standing right here next to her. It's not me saying that. It's Genesis saying that. See, Satan wants to make sure she takes the blame. So he's addressing all of his questions to her. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Satan, she's the Isaiah. She's the defender. She's the protector. I'm Satan. If I attack him, I know his protector is going to kick in. She's going to come at it. But if I attack her, will he come defend her? Will he come protect her? That's why he's addressing all of his questions to her. They're together. He's right here with her. But I'm going to address all of my questions to her. Watch this. This is stunning, ladies and gentlemen, once you get this. Did God really say you can't eat anything? Was she here when God gave that instruction? Who was? So who should answer the question? What does he say? Nothing. So she turns and answers best she can. She said, huh, God said we can't eat it or touch it. He heard what God said. What does he say then? 
nothing. Uh, for me, Satan, this is too good to be true. She doesn't know what God said, and he, he's just a mute statue. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I'm going in for the kill. I'm going to call God a liar. You're not going to die. What does he say? Nothing. You're going to be like God. What does he say? Nothing. She reaches for the fruit. What does he do? Does he knock it out of her hand? Does he say, baby, don't eat that. We're not supposed to, t we're not supposed to have that. What does he do? Nothing. She pulls it to her lips. What does he do? Nothing. She eats, gives to him. He eats. Yet this is all her fault. And that's what deception looks like, ladies and gentlemen. And an entire religion, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, built on a hidden lie. The lie that this is all her fault. Why? Because i got to blame her because I've got to turn this into this. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. You, you have to understand, this is a problem for Satan. This is not. He's perfectly fine with this. Ladies and gentlemen, he's perfectly fine with this, but not this. Now you understand why he's perfectly fine with this. Where's the defender? Not here. You understand why he's perfectly fine with this? Now listen, this is not an uh, anti-gay message. This, is not, this has nothing to do with gender. This has nothing to do with sexual orientation. This is a kingdom. And God is, Satan knows, I've got to fight against this. And guess what? If I have you like this, but you're thinking, thank God I'm not like this, I still win. So this is not about judgment and rules and morality. It's about the kingdom and why God put these two together. He put us together for, for a kingdom reason. Bring up the next slide because now it gets worse. Because God walks into the garden. You got to understand, he's not angry. Not yet. He already knows what happened. And it's not that he just saw what happened. My, my, my favorite chapter in all the Bible is Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 says, before God made the foundations of the universe, before God threw the first star in the sky, before God thought about gravity and all the laws that are going to hold this together, he already saw all of us, created a plan and a purpose for us, fell in love with us, saw that we were going to fall and reject him, then he and Jesus concoct this amazing plan to adopt us into the, his, their family through Jesus' blood. And once Jesus said, I'll do it, then God said, let there be light. So, so it's not like God is walking into the garden saying, what happened? <laughs> he already knows what happened. He saw it before he created the garden. He knows his kids have fallen. 
He just wants to see how far they have fallen. See, when I make a mistake, I can do one of two things. I can take responsibility or I can take offense. I can be accountable or I can blame. God asked Adam, did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat? And all Adam had to do was say, yes. I'm sorry. I don't know what I was doing. I just, I just, I, I, I sat down, I, I just froze. I, but can you forgive me? I mean, I, I know you, were, you, you, you saw what happened. You saw her eat the fruit first, but it's not her fault. I was standing there, right there the whole time. I could have stopped this nonsense at any time. Please don't blame her. She's the greatest thing you've ever given me. Wow. And if, if Adam had said that, do you know what God turns and says to Eve? Nothing. No need to. Because the man he made responsible has taken responsibility. But since he didn't, God now has to go in a completely different direction. A lot of people think the curses were because they ate the fruit. That's not true. Because if that's true, then God's a liar. He's a liar by omission. He told them, if you eat this fruit, you're not going to live forever. You're going to die. If that was his original intent was to curse them, and he should have said, if you eat this fruit, you're not going to live forever. You're going to die. I'm going to curse the ground. I'm going to curse you. I'm gonna, there's, there's curses all around. <laughs> but that's not what he said. God was upset with their response. He asked Adam, did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat? And Adam said, the woman. He blamed God that you gave me. He, gave, he blamed the woman and God. He didn't have to say the woman that you gave me. He could have just said, the woman ate, gave to me, I ate, God would have been disappointed. But he said, the woman you gave me. She wasn't my idea. <laughs> now God's ticked. Blame me. And so God now looks at him, shakes his head, and now looks at the woman. Because Adam, Adam had a lot of stones. <laughs> Adam didn't say, you know what, God, this is as much your fault as it is mine. He said, God, this is as much your fault as it is hers. But this is not my fault. Don't blame me. I'm not responsible. And so now God looks at Eve not because he wanted to, not because he planned to, but because he has to, because the man he made responsible told him to. And now Eve is freaking out because the man she's always known to be there for her, I mean, heck, he's just thrown her under the bus and backed it up a few times. 
And God says, Eve, is this true? The serpent. So Adam blames Eve and God. Eve blames an animal. She's the first person to use the excuse, the dog ate my homework. <laughs> now God's angry. And, now, and now, the, now the curse has come. What should have happened if Adam had just said, yes, my fault. God would have taken him by the hand, taken Eve, walked him to the edge of the garden and said, hey, you messed up but you fessed up. We can work with that. Now turn around and look. You see this garden? You see that tree over there? That's the tree of life. I can't let you eat from that anymore. So we're going to have to leave. I'm a God of my word. I said, if you eat from the tree of knowledge, you're going to die. You're not going to live forever now. We're going to leave. But, but look, you see how everything is lush? You see how everything grows and it's beautiful? That's how it's going to be out there. It's not going to fight against you. I don't want you to go out and have sex, have babies, have a lot of fun. And, and Eve, you're going to get pregnant. And, and don't, don't worry. When you, get, when you give birth, it's not going to hurt. You've seen the animals. They just plop and go. It's no big deal. That's the way it was supposed to be, ladies and gentlemen. That's the way it was supposed to be. <laughs> but their response changed everything. God said, Adam, I didn't ask you what she did. I asked you what you did. But you want to make it about her? Fine, we'll make it about her. Since you listened to her instead of me, cursed is the ground. Thorns and thistles will grow. It's going to fight and war against you. And you know what? You came from dust and you're going to go back to dust. Ooh, he's ticked. Then he turns to the woman and says, I'm going to greatly increase the pain in childbirth and child rearing. It goes beyond just having kids. These kids are going to rebel against you. These kids are going to fight. They're going to murder each other. The man who helped you get, give, bring these kids into the world, he's going to leave you. You're going to have to raise them on your own. There's a whole, whole level to the curse we don't understand, ladies and gentlemen. And here's the worst part. Then God says to the woman, you're going to want to take control, but he's not going to let you. He's going to rule over you. That sounds like a curse against the woman. It's a curse against the man. God said, it's not good for him to be alone. I'm going to make for him an heir. Put her connecto to him. In order for you to protect someone, what do you have to do? You have to step in and take control. But he's not going to allow you. He's going to push you down, rule over you again. What is he now? He's alone again. How can he win? He can't. And that's the curse. The curse is that I said you can't do this alone. 
You can't win alone. I'm going to bring an Azer, a warrior, a defender alongside you as your equal. My curse is I'm taking her away from you. And for the next 4,000 years, that's how it was like. That's what it, we didn't get three more chapters after this, after this story, ladies and gentlemen. It, it got so bad, God said, control, all delete, we're done. <laughs> Start it over. That's what life is like without Ari's heir. Go to the next slide, please. Praise God, Jesus came and broke the curse of sin and death. Paul said, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us from this curse. The curse is broken. He said in Romans, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The curse is broken. And in his most diabolical deception yet, Satan reinstituted the curse. And folks, of all people, he used Paul, who wrote these words. You see, Paul was an evangelist. He was starting churches everywhere. Okay? And one of the churches he started, he left Timothy in charge of. And Timothy was running into a problem with the church. The men, the, so many people from this church Timothy was, was pastoring came out of pagan religions. And so the men were standing up and preaching wrong doctrine. And the women who were their, who were their wives were dressing suggestively, the Bible says. <laughs> and they were standing up speaking the same wrong doctrine that the men were. And Paul said, my solution is to sit them down, teach them. But then Paul said, but I don't allow a woman to preach. I don't allow a woman to teach. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to see this. Paul did, this is not Paul sitting there writing this book that he's saying, oh, this is the book of Timothy and billions are going to read this. This is Paul answering a letter from Timothy with his own letter addressing that problem. Paul was a Pharisee. He, 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 talk, he spoke of himself. He said, I'm the Jew of Jews. I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul had a little bit of an ego, okay? <laughs> so did Moses, by the way. Moses was one who said, there's never been anyone humble like me. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> Paul, Paul, from the time he was this big, grew up being preached the curse by his rabbi, by the man he followed. And he was so serious about this that when Jesus had the audacity to be resurrected and people were saying he's resurrected, Paul was saying, blasphemy, that's against the law of Moses, and he was killing Christians. That's how serious Paul was. So Paul tells Timothy, I don't allow a woman to preach. He didn't say God doesn't allow a woman to preach. He didn't say Christ doesn't allow a woman to preach. He said, I, because this is me, 
I've grew up under, under the, I grew up under women being under the curse. This is just his bias, ladies and gentlemen. And you have, God, God doesn't hide this bias. God doesn't hide the, 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 the foibles and issues of the heroes of the Bible. He puts us there for us to see so that we'll recognize they, they were imperfect just like me. God doesn't want us to think, oh, I can never live up to perfect Paul. I can never live up to perfect Moses. I can never. Abraham's the man of faith, right? Had so much faith. He's listening to an invisible God, a voice from the sky, cuckoo. And, and, and this voice tells him, go leave, your, go leave your land and go somewhere else. And he obeyed. This is for the guys. His faith was so strong, this invisible voice said, hey, take a hold of yourself with this blunt knife and shave a part of this off. That would have been it for me. I'm just telling you. I, I, don't, have that, I don't have that kind of faith. But, but Abraham said, yes, sir. But that man of faith who seems so perfect in a famine, he's walking in into Egypt during a famine with his wife, Sarah, and he realizes, oh, my wife, Sarah, is hot. They're going to want her. So I'm going to concoct this plan. Baby, we're going to tell them you're my sister. Guess whose bed she wound up in? Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh's, Pharaoh took a liking to her, sent his men to say, hey, is she available? And true to his deception, Abraham said, yeah, she's my sister. You can have her. And, and Pharaoh gave him lots of land, gave him lots of animals, gave, made him a rich man. You remember when Eve needed Adam to step up? He didn't. When Sarah needed Abraham to step up, he didn't either. Paul did not speak for God when he said, I don't allow a woman to preach. And here's why. He gave his reason. Because woman sinned first. It was not man that was deceived, he said, but woman. Is that true? No, we saw right here. That's, that's not what happened. But that's what deception looks like, ladies and gentlemen. Don't, don't, don't demean Paul for this. Paul's a great man. He just had a bias. We all do. Right. Paul, Paul said that he was talking to, to his disciples, or he was talking to his, his church, and he said when Jesus was, was resurrected, uh, he was seen first by Peter and then by the, the others. Was that true? No. Because every writer of the gospel says to a man, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene. But for Paul... Christ being seen by a woman first, impossible. We have to see this, ladies and gentlemen. God put it there in the Bible so that we'd see it. But the, it's, it's a hidden lie. That, and, and, and what Paul has done with that letter, a letter espousing his personal opinion, is silence the voices of millions of Barb Pruitts throughout the centuries. That's what he does. What did Jesus say? He, he, he's a liar, 
the father of all lies, but he's really great at hiding these lies. That's why you always ask for revelation. You ask God to uncover these hidden things. You ask God to wake you up. Let me close with this. this uh, in, in 2016, I, I started having health issues. Anytime I urinated, I would bleed. And, and sometimes I, I couldn't urinate. I, the feeling was there, but nothing would come out. Very painful. And they diagnosed me with what they call a stricture. So in my canal, it, it, it's supposed to look like this, and it tightens up. That was my diagnosis. And so it was hard for, for urine to get through, and so blood vessels would burst and blah, blah, blah. So their cure to that was to take this tube, run it up me, and open it up. And guys, it sounds about as fun as, as I just described it. That went on for two years, and in 2018, I got tired of this. I got frustrated, so I went to another doctor, and he had already done blood work on me. And, and Georgina, my wife, she and I walk in, and he says, hey, Mr. Brown, I need you to take your pants off. A and I said, well, you're going to buy me dinner first. You don't just talk to me. <laughs> I said, hey, I'm a proud black man, all right? You got you to give me a glass of rum or something first. So, so I, take, I take my pants off, and I hop up on the, on the table. And then Nurse Ratchet comes in, and she's, she's got this long tube. And I know what that tube is for. But she's got a syringe in the other hand. And I said, well, what are you going to do with that syringe? And she says, well, we're going to inject you something up you so that you don't feel this. And I said, well, what about this? I'm going to feel this. And right about then, my Isaiah, my wife, gives me this look. <laughs> Every woman knows this look. It's the look that says, huh, I wish you could have a baby just once. <laughs> so they start these proceedings. And um, Dr. Shivani, remember, babe, he comes, he comes walking in and he says, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take a look at the YouTube video to see how we do this. <laughs> yeah, see, my wife laughed just like you're laughing. I didn't, I, I, I didn't think this was funny at all. So he comes back, and um, they start the proceedings, and, and he, he shoves this, this, this tube up me, and he hits the stricture. And, and, and I let out a few choice words. God, God, God is my witness. He's holding on to me with, with this tube. And he says, hey, nurse, come on in here. I need you. She comes running in. And, and God is my witness. He says, here, hold this like you mean it. <laughs> you got to get the full story here, folks. He rams the tube through. More words explode out of my mouth. <laughs> then he's looking at the monitor, and he turns to Georgina, my wife, and says, hey, do you want to see it? There it is. There's the cancer.
bladder cancer, prostate cancer. They said, with this fast-growing tumor, the doctor said that my five-year survival rate was about 70%. What, what Satan did is he came on my shoulder and he said, Kevin, what he really means to say is your five-year death rate is 30%. I'm in trouble. They did a procedure, took out as much of the tumor as they could. Then they put me through 12 rounds of chemotherapy. My hair fell out. My nice brown skin turned gray. Not a good look for a black man, I'll tell you. Nausea. I, I, I can't even describe to you the nausea. Headaches. Ringing in the ears that I still have today. Blurred vision that I still have today. Neuropathy in my right foot that I still have today. I'll be walking along. I, half the time I don't feel this, my foot. And so I'll be walking and all of a sudden I'll take a step and boom, I'm, gone, I'm on the ground. And Georgina, my wife, says, we need to buy you a helmet. <laughs> they gutted me open, took out my prostate, took out my bladder. The bladder's gone, the urine has to go somewhere, so they took part of my small intestine and made a new bladder. But it has to go somewhere from there, so they cut a hole in me, put a bag on me, I'm Batman now. Put 24 staples down me, said off you go. And I gotta tell you, the, the last five years have been hell. They really have. But I don't tell you this story to, to make you feel sorry for me, don't. I tell you this story so that you understand when I say, I didn't need a helpmate. I, I didn't need an assistant. I didn't need somebody to come cook. I needed a warrior. And that's what God gave me and my wife, Georgina. He gave me an Isaiah. I, I would be on the ground, hugging the toilet, just nauseous. And she, she'd come in and say, are you okay, babe? And I'd say, yeah, I'm okay. She'd say, then get up. She didn't talk to me like a wife. She talked to me like a warrior because she knew that wasn't a fight I could win lying down. But other times we'd be sitting at the table and I'd be wavering a little bit. And she'd say, chin up, buttercup. <laughs> she knows when to use humor and when to pull the whip out. That's what a protector does. That's what a defender does. See, if you've never had cancer, let me tell you what it's like. You're in a dinghy. You're, you're about 100 yards from shore. You're in the middle of a storm. The, the thunder is roaring and the lightning is frightening and the waves are big. The current is strong. I can't get my dinghy to the shoreline. 
and it's filling with water. And all of my friends and loved ones, all the people I know, I see them, they're on that shoreline and they're encouraging me. They're saying, hey, Kevin, don't give up. We're here with you. My kids are on the shoreline. They're saying, Dad, don't give up. You can do this. My pastors were saying, Kevin, we're praying for you. Everything's going to be fine. I saw everyone who I loved on that shoreline except my wife. Because from the moment the doctor said, there's the cancer, she walked into the surf, launched herself in, swam against the storm, swam against the waves, swam against the wind, climbed into the dinghy, said, sit down, babe, I've got this, and started bailing water. I give honor to my wife who helped me when when I needed it the most. I'm so glad that God gave me that revelation. I'm so glad that God told me that in the garden, he put a cane. What's the most powerful piece on the chessboard? Next to this king, he put a queen to protect him. And no matter where she is on this board, she can move like no other piece can move. Wherever she is, when he's in trouble, she swoops in to take care of him, to protect him. This is for you guys. Satan wants you and I to treat the most powerful piece on the board like the weakest piece on the board. He wants you and I to treat the queen and exchange her for a pawn. And what do we do with pawns? Those of you who play chess, what do we do with pawns? We sacrifice them. We toss them away without a thought because I got seven other pawns. And guys, we're taught this from the time we're this big by our dads, by our big brothers, by our uncles, by our coaches, by our teachers, by our mentors. What do they tell us? There's plenty of fish in the sea. It's a dangerous deception designed to make sure that we never look for this, but that we settle for this. Georgina and I work because God gave us that revelation. God God helped us understand we're equals. We're not the same, but we're equals in this. And I'm the offensive coordinator. When the offense is on the field, I call the plays. But she's the defensive coordinator. And when the defense is on the field, she calls the plays. I'm not greater than her. She's not greater than me. You need both to win. But neither one of us is the head coach. God is the head coach. God is always in charge. She and I are never in charge. And because of this, God can come to me and give me revelation and I'll go give her instructions. But God can go to her and give her revelation, she comes and gives me instructions and I don't take offense. And that's how it is supposed to work. 
if you can uncover this hidden lie. Most of this is in this book that I wrote. It's out there in the, uh, what, what is it called? The, in the courtyard, there, there's some copies there. They're free, just take a copy. Uh, the only thing I ask is if, um, if you take a copy, read it, give it to someone else, let them read it. All right? Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you so much. Thank you. 